Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Uh, 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 uh. Competition starting to get thick, it's the click, so I hope you watch your A-game. A-mate, no rains on the track when we unite and spit. This isn't A-game, better bring your A-game. A-game. Hey, now it's the Mike and JD show, and I'm your host, Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined as always by JD by God Oliva. How you doing, JD? I look like I'm wrecked. I just looked at myself on the camera. I'm exhausted. We just did a full day of school, had wrestling practice, did a broadcast for our basketball game. I'm, I'm exhausted. How's your balls? Ah, uh, yeah, they're they're swollen and tender, uh, so. dude. It they're uh, they're so huge right now. They're like protruding through my shorts. It's unbelievable. <laughs> just like it's like uh, I've never had this problem before. <laughs> so tell us, because we didn't even get in this conversation. Why yeah. did you need your balls worked on? I had a vein in my balls. Like it was a varicose vein, and oh. uh, I guess it was like uh, blocking so blocking my boys a little bit. And, um, and so, um, you know, cause I'm, I'm 40 now I'm getting checked out for testosterone I'm getting checked out for all kinds of stuff. And then I mm-hmm. went to the urologist, um, and got checked out there and I pulled my pants down. She checked my balls and said, yep, we've got a varicose vein here. It's probably causing you some issues. I can, uh, real quick, I can go in there 45 minutes. I can uh, fix that thing. And so I was like, okay. So, uh, we, we made the appointment and my appointment was yesterday and I, uh, I get in there and you know, I, I had had a meeting with the anesthesiologist and they said, you're going to do general anesthesia. Now, I don't I don't know why I thought this when they said it at first. I thought that was going to be a local anesthetic. I thought that they were just going to, you know, give me like a numbing shot, you know, and then go go do the deal. I was though in my head, it was it was kind of like a, a similar procedure to a vasectomy, just the opposite. Right. So I go in there and they hook me up to an IV and they go, oh no, we're, we're putting you out. There's no way you could be awake for this. I was like, really? They go, yeah, nobody told you that. And I was like, no, can I talk to my doctor? My doctor comes in. She goes, well, Mike, I told you that it was general anesthesia. I was like, I thought that meant I was getting a shot, not going under. She goes, no, we have to put you under. Like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to cut into your groin and stick a tube down in there and go through into your ball sack and fix your vein. I was like, and, she, and then we have to have like a, a camera, like a, like some, some type of camera thing, a scope or whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh. So they, uh, and I was like, well, what are you guys giving me? They go, oh, fentanyl. I'm like, oh, the thing that's killing everybody. Okay. So yeah, they gave me that and they gave me some gas. And then uh, I woke up and they, I think they gave me an extra uh, heaping dose of it. Cause I was in, I was in quite a bit of pain when I woke up, but um, I'm doing fine now, except for like the swelling is just out of this world. So I have to, uh, I, I, I'm taking a break from ice in my ball sack uh, to do this podcast. I can't bitch about being tired. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I just I've literally been in my recliner all day with ice on my balls. My balls are fine. So I gotta <laughs> gotta just move on with the show. I, I'm sleepy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, if you guys are wondering, I think my um my my sperm will be uh, swimming like Michael Michael Phelps here pretty soon with his new uh, surgery. So probably uh, another little Gilbert running around here pretty soon. I think that's the idea. I think ah, I think that's the idea. Yeah. You're a madman. You're gonna have another kid at 41 ish. I'm 40. Damn it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Well, best, I'm, I'm just doing math here. Best case scenario. <laughs> he shows up yeah. when you're 41. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what, that's what I was looking like. But, uh, you know, I, 40 is the new 30 or at least that's what people tell me anyway. What I'm hearing. So, um, yeah. I'll be 44 I'm, in February. So it's like, ugh. I don't know. I feel every bit of 40, especially right now with the way that I'm walking. Oh, I believe that. <laughs> I but feel hey, some days, some days oh, I feel ahead. young. No, I was saying some days I feel young. Like I can go, like I can still, like I still beat the snots out of the kids when we're wrestling and stuff like that. We had a college kid come in last year and I was neck and neck still. And I'm like, I still feel good. And then it's some days I'm like, dude, what is this thing? On me? Why is this thing growing on me? Like stuff like yeah. that. It's like, yeah, when you get 40, <laughs> stupid stuff starts happening to you. Like my lower back is sore. I mean, my balls are fine, but my lower back is sore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Getting old yeah. Sucks. It dude, it it really it really is the worst. But uh hey guys, thanks everybody for joining us. Um, you know, I originally I had like um earlier today, I had some topics and I was just like Ah, the topics are a little bit boring. Thankfully, thankfully, our man, uh, the guy who's really been our lead story and probably most, like he's taken the, the top spot on, on our podcast the most, that is one Mr. CM Punk. He, uh, he made his long-awaited return to SmackDown tonight. And, uh, and I watched his promo. I thought it was a good promo. And according to my timeline, Every, everybody mostly enjoyed it, and I think that it, it's a consensus that it was a uh, a step above his uh, raw promo from a couple weeks ago. But it's still probably uh, probably not your 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 most favorite CM Punk promo. It's half-assed. It's half-hearted. He's calling the since sorry Astro was trying to eat Andy's lightsaber, the one I paid three hundred dollars for, so I had to pry that out of his mouth. Um, he's half-hearted, half-assed. You know, he took one. Oh, I punched a guy in the locker room, and the crowd went, Ugh. "Huh?" They didn't get it. They didn't get it because well, WWE fans only. This is what I've been saying for weeks, man. WWE fans only watch WWE, and Tony Khan would sell his mother. Yeah, I know what I said to get more <laughs> WWE fans watching his show, and they don't yeah. care, man. They just don't care, right? And it looks like CM Punk doesn't care either. I got jokingly put in our group chat. I'm like, the eyes, Chico. They never lie. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I man. yeah, I I I'm I was a little higher on the promo than uh, than you are. I, I thought I was fine. His eyes look normal to me, like they just look like normal eyes. But um, I I think you probably prior watch paying more attention than I am. I was just like kind of. I just pulled the video up on my phone. I was like, oh yeah, this is a this is actually a way better promo. He had a little bit more fire. But that 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 joke that he told the AEW references when he hit the line, he was setting it up for a little while too, and I kind of at this point knew where he was going with it. And then he hits the line and nobody cared. It was the weirdest thing. It re- dude, it reminded me of the Bobby fish thing of the, where's the lie. Where's the, 
<laughs> yeah. I was like, God damn. You know, he got a lot of CM Punk chants. Like, they still liked him, right? He was still over with the crowd, but some of the lines just, or that, that was really the only line that I felt like didn't hit. But, you know, he went after Roman Reigns a little bit and the crowd got into it. He talked about his history with Heyman. Crowd got into it. So I, I think he's I think he's gonna be fine, but he's not gonna be uh it's not your grandpa CM Punk, right? It's not be it's not the one that we loved. Yeah, he'll be fine, but it's like the fire like I, I joke I also say, you know, this fire does not burn or no longer burns. Like it just he just seems like a guy there, right? Like he's over, but I mean like I don't even think he's as over as LA Knight. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't go that far. I don't know. He I he would. seemed to get, he was he was getting a ton of chance. And then every time they did a backstage segment, because they all like you don't have to watch SmackDown. By the way, you can just scroll through the timeline and everything oh, is clipped for 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 Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I that's what I did. every time the, every time he appeared on screen, and even even he appeared on screen with Randy Orton and Eli, and Eli almost calling him Eli, Eli Drake, but L.A. Knight, um, and. A Randy Orton looks like the hugest man in the world standing next to both yep. those guys. I always thought LA Knight was a really big guy. He is like a cruiserweight standing next to Orton. Orton's huge, man. But uh I I I felt like, you know, like as soon as they panned over to punk in that shot, you know, they always do their they they have their the close-up of Orton and then they pan over to LA Knight and then here comes CM Punk into the screen. CM Punk got the biggest pop of them all, right? Like he's still a big star. He's a big star, no doubt. But Randy Orton is also the size of like a WWE, like a WWF wrestler. Yeah. He's probably doing some of the same stuff <laughs> that they were too. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't think that the uh, wellness policy applies to guys uh Randy Orton's uh age at this point. Has, has the wellness policy ever applied to Randy Orton, really? Well, he's he had those violations, but I think that he did so yeah. much in the past that it, it jacked up, it permanently jacked up his system. They were like, "Well, you kind of have to do it now." Like, there might like, be some. If you there don't, might be you're not going to be functioning. Yeah, yeah, there might be some truth to that. But he's bigger than he's ever been right now. Yeah, he's oh, he's yeah. absolutely he's absolutely enormous. Like it it's reminded like, me of when Triple H came back from his quad tear back in the day. Yeah, that's a pretty good comparison. Except Triple H wasn't forty four. You know, like he's, he's old, but he looks amazing. Like he's, cause remember we had like, like night, like mid two thousands, Randy Wharton was like when he was failing those wellness policies, he was juiced out, but he, I don't think he was this jacked. Like he looks like the slim Orton that we've known for a long time, but like huge, huge. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Joe says the, they had to change their weed policy because they had to suspend Orton so many times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and good for him. Good for him. Uh, whatever it takes to, to get by. Um, but man, so, um, speaking of WWE, uh, my original top story, and I thought this was something interesting because I felt like, you know, we had some conversations with some of our friends in the media, you know, we were, you know, is it possible? Is it not possible? But Okada going to WWE seems to really be picking up. And did you get a chance to, to read the, the observer today at all? I did. Yeah, and so yeah, so last week Dave brought up that WWE was you know interested in Okada, kind of a a line that he just threw out there because he's always interested. And then Mm -hmm. Sap runs a story about it, and then you know Dave says, "Well, they're always interested," and his contract, everybody's contract is up, you know, after January of uh, February first, twenty twenty four, same as uh, Mm -hmm. Will Osprey, right? Um, 
Well, it just seemed like they're even more interested than ever before, and they're making a big push. And it looks like Okada might also be interested in going there. Uh, and that would be the first time that there's ever been expressed interest. I don't know if they're as interested so much as Okada is interested. Like, And it seems like he's just interested in an American company now, too, because the talk is he's interested in the other place as well. So yeah. um, there's a lot of factors, I think, to take into consideration here. I think what's happening is he saw what Will Ospreay is getting to go to AEW mm -hmm. and says, work circles around him. Where's my money? Right. Um, I know people like to get all geeked up about this stuff, but I don't think this is a done deal by any stretch of the imagination to either company, quite frankly. Yeah. I think he's trying to leverage New Japan for more money, which is what Osprey did. Osprey pretty much told you, right? Oh, I was going to AEW the whole time. I got the tattoo. Like, but he hired <laughs> Barry Bloom to leverage Tony Khan out of as much money as possible. I think that uh, Okada is trying to leverage Bushi Road. His wife's a major star over there. Like she does mm -hmm. voiceover work. She's an actress. She's got her own career. They have young kids uprooting them and moving them to a different country with a completely different culture. is a big change. I know we could say, well, Nakamura did it. I mean, they're different guys. Nakamura was part of the, the three musketeers, you know, with, with uh, Okada and um, Tanashi. It's different with Okada. Okada yeah. is the guy like, and no, and Dave put this in the observatory too. It's interesting. no, lead japanese stars ever left for the u.s like the club like muda had a big run in wcw but he you know that was an excursion basically right he came mm -hmm. back as the great muda and was a main eventer when he returned he didn't leave a main eventer this would be the only guys who are done closest is nakamura coincidentally he's getting a push now yeah. um i don't know if i'm but a betting if i'm a betting yeah, well, I'll just say, when Nakamura, Nakamura came, he was 36, right? Mm -hmm. So similar. But Nakamura was a top guy for New Japan, but he was like, it was like, it was like, it was like Okada Tanahashi and then Nakamura, yeah, like number three. And the, the, the Naito was like, you know, on the up and coming when Nakamura came over. So mm -hmm. he was like number three of three, right? So he wasn't like the exact top guy. There were two guys ahead of him whenever he left. So I just want to put that into context because people will say, oh, well, Nakamura came over. Well, Nakamura yeah, was different. in a little bit of a different spot. Yeah. Nakamura was the Intercontinental Champ. And the Intercontinental Champ, yeah. it wasn't interchangeable with the uh, the world, the a the AEW, the IWGP title. It's, um, it was like a 1A title. It's definitely treated higher than either the TNT or the Intercontinental WWE belt is. Like people say, well, Gunther, Gunther, Gunther. I mean, Gunther's having a great run. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. Nakamura is mm -hmm. selling out shows on his own. Like Nakamura yeah. is Shinsuke Nakamura. Like it was a big, I remember 2016 when he signed with WWE. It was him and AJ and the, and the, uh, the money grubbing brothers. Like he, it was a big, massive deal. And Okada leaving would be an even bigger deal. Um, I just don't know if it's going to happen. Like, I think he's yeah. just leveraging Bushi Road. That's what I feel. I don't. I don't see him leaving either, um, because of all the reasons that you had stated. Um, and the least important reason would is that he's the top guy in New Japan. Top guys don't leave New Japan. I think of the reasons you stated, I think that's the least important. I think the most important is he's got a family with young kids, and his mm -hmm. wife has a whole career. Um, 
could could AEW sign him? I I think that he could. They could. I again, I I don't see that either. I think he's just going to end up staying with New Japan, and and then maybe he'll take some more U.S. dates and try to get some more big money dates in in uh, in the U.S. And maybe that's something that they do, where like you know Tony Khan is able to to hook him up. But it's kind of what I was thinking. You know. Maybe they could leverage Tony. Be like, hey man, we'll give you guys X amount of dates in Okada if you could help us keep him here. And I think it's, yeah. I think that Tony Khan signing Kazuchika Okada would be a mistake. Yeah. I think the sec- the moment he's signed, he becomes less special. Like what makes mm-hmm. Okada cool here is the fact that he comes and goes, right? And we don't yeah. have enough of that in wrestling. We don't have enough of attractions. The term attraction gets thrown around. Andre the Giant in the territory days was an attraction because he would come into the territory for a big reason, do his business, and then go somewhere else. Everywhere. There's not enough guys like that in pro wrestling anymore. I don't think there's many, many, any really. Like who would you mm-hmm. call? An attraction like that in this day and age that that come i mean the closest thing is lesnar right like but he doesn't yeah. go to territory to territory yeah. he just comes in and out of wwe but like yeah. that would be the closest i think i think matt cardona's trying to do that on the indies i think suzuki like, probably came the closest yeah suzuki, but it's not a way lower it's not a lower scale like yeah because yeah, Suzuki's not coming into New Japan and popping the territory and then going to all Japan and popping the territory. Like right. Suzuki's coming in, he's awesome, he's having cool matches, but he's not like he's not like a super special attraction that people are coming out to see, you know. In the US he is, right? But not like me. Yeah. Like he's not main eventing AEW, but when he comes into I, like a GCW, he sells tickets. Like well, I think I think he did he did a couple years ago. I think he did more yeah, so, yeah, not now. I think I he he came he came way too often. <laughs> like like I agree with that. about now, right? Um, we don't have but to, we don't have territories anymore. Like we no. don't have places where people can stay fresh. I think Randy Orton's biggest achievement is being able to stay over for basically being in the spotlight for 20 years nonstop. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. Like that's probably the biggest notch of his career, I think. It's all hard, man. It's hard to get over the first time around, let alone staying consistently over. That's kudos to him on that. But I mean, like, I think that it, it behooves AEW to make sure Kazuchika Okada stays the guy in Japan, because then you have a draw for your shows when you do your your um, Russell Dreams and Forbidden Doors and the whatnot. Yeah, yeah. No, Something else no, we didn't absolutely. talk about. Something else we didn't talk no, about is the dollar. The dollar versus the yen right now. The yen's the yen isn't the shitter. Like, <laughs> yeah, I got I got some good. dude. I got some friends uh, living in Japan that are uh, not happy. <laughs> so, I thankfully. That. Yeah, they well, so whenever well actually no, I, I would say it's the opposite. So like I have I have some friends that, that live there and they live off base and because the yen is down, like they're trying to charge them more money, but the American dollar is up. So they're trying to you know, so it's they're they're making up for it because the American dollar is up and now they're trying to cut the cost of living allowance that my friends are getting over there. They just cut yeah. our cost of living allowance here, the government, even though everything in Hawaii is up right now, but, but because in Japan it's down, we're part of this whole system called the Pacific Air Forces. It's a whole bureaucratic thing. Anyway, we're like I'm feeling the effects of the yen being down, believe it or not. It's, it's, it's well, yeah, it's weird. There's so much, there's so much like, I don't know if I'm saying it before, there's so much fluidity between Japan and Hawaii, right? And I don't know if people, yeah. I don't know if mainland Americans realize that because it's a stopover, right? It's halfway mm-hmm. basically between Japan and America, which is why World War II and all. Um, yeah. So like, it's a good spot. So I mean, it's a good spot to see, oh, see a lot of ton of Japanese people 
in Hawaii, San Francisco, yeah. a ton of like mainland American people. So I mean, like, it does not surprise me that the economies are are so intertwined over there. Basically, well, I, I just mean, I just mean we're interconnected militarily. I think um, it's more and, than that, though. I think there is some. Yeah. I think you do. I think it it goes beyond the militarily stuff. I think it's actually yeah. more embedded in the national or the uh, regional economy. There, I should say. Yeah. So basically, yeah. Bushi Road got a pony up for Okada. Because you don't want that. Uh, they, they do. And as much as I like their new three musketeers, um, I, hey, they're man. not ready to replace Okada yet. They're they're just not. Um, maybe one day, like uh, Yoda Suji, I think we can all agree is, you know, pretty insane. Ren, Ren Narita is fantastic. Shota Umino is fantastic. And my guy, Impact Legend Yuya Uemura, uh, on the up and coming there. He's not a part of that Three Amigos thing, but. Uh, or the three musketeers, three amigos. <laughs> I much prefer calling them the three amigos to differentiate them. That's way funnier. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think the three amigos would be way better now that I think about way, it. Way, way better. You know, you know, that's yeah. a guilty pleasure movie of mine. I actually like the three amigos. I think it's funny. That it that is not a guilty pleasure of mine at all. I'm fucking proud that I love that movie. That movie is tremendous. It is the stupidest movie, but every time it comes on, I have to sit there and watch it. It's so good. It's it's (laughs) dude. I know Chevy Chase just kind of farts his way through it because he never took anything seriously. But Martin Short and Steve and Steve uh Martin, Jesus Christ, it's late night. Um are so good in that movie and are so damn funny. Hey, I got a movie for you. Yeah, I saw a movie this week and that's shocked me at how good it was. Oh, tell me. I know what you're talking about, but go ahead and tell the people because I want to go see it. Godzilla minus one. I'm looking forward to it, dude. So my kid you, loves you Godzilla. and a lot of people have been telling me the same thing. So all right. So here's here's the deal. My kid loves Godzilla, loves him. My big mom. And so did I as a kid, big monster destroying Tokyo. What's not to love? And I always joke that the worst part of the Godzilla movies are the damn human scenes. Because who cares what these humans have to think? I just want to watch monsters destroying shit, right? So I brought this into that movie. I said, oh, we'll go see it. We had to review it for Superhero Speak. So I'm like, all right, I'll I'll go watch this movie. It should be fun. Mike, they put a real movie together. This is the story. (laughs) This is the story of a failed kamikaze pilot. When I say failed, I mean, this guy lands on Edo Island. And is like, oh, my plane doesn't work. And they're like, your plane is fine. Uh, no, it's it's not fine. Something's wrong with it. And these these mechanics are trying to work on the plane. And oh shit, there's Godzilla on this island. But Godzilla is only like three stories tall or two stories tall. He's not big. He's big enough to fuck a lot of shit up. But he's not yeah. like enormous, right? And the guy gets in the gun, the, the plane to gun down Godzilla. He doesn't think it's going to work, and he can't pull the trigger. Right. So then he's like shamed publicly because Godzilla kills a bunch of mechanics. Right. And then he goes back to Tokyo. Right. And everything is destroyed. Everything's burnt out. Like his parents are dead. Everyone's dead. And he just feels like he's miserable. And he meets this girl and her daughter and he falls in love, but he can't like give himself to this girl because he's still fighting the war in his head, man. And like he gets a job detonating mines us and, and japanese mines in the water and they got to go in a, a in a boat in a, a wooden boat to because they're magnetic mines and while they're there what do they see 
fucking Godzilla again, but this time he's been <laughs> mutated by the Bikini Island tests, and he's enormous. I'm like, we got to stop him. And they put a, a mine in his mouth and explodes. J- JD, you're not going to spoil the whole thing, are you? Because I'm going to spoil the whole fucking get, movie. I don't, okay, don't want us to get a bunch of will, hate comments. <laughs> I, I will, I, dude, this movie, it's got one week left before they pull it yeah. to the theaters. So if you don't see it now, you're not going to see it. Here's the thing. This is a love story. I'm going to cut to the chase. This is a love story. This works. Right. This is a story about a guy who can't let go of his ultimate failure and falls in love. And like then his wife, something bad happens and then he's got to be a kamikaze again. And it's it's this innately Japanese film of how the samurai culture is constantly at war with the idea of trying to live. And that's the whole idea of the movie is do we embrace the Bushido, the uh, the seppuku method, or do we try to start anew and live again? set against the background of this monster destroying Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. It's unlike well, it has no business being as good as it is. None. Well, it's dude, my favorite I, movie I'm, of the year. I'm sold. I'm sold. I, I'm absolutely sold. And we got, uh, we got Mel G in the chat. Mel, uh, you saw Barbie. I, I have not seen Barbie and I don't think I'm ever going to watch it now. Look, and I, and people that like to watch Barbie, I'm cool. No problem. Um, but when it comes to the movies that I like, I'm about as toxically male as it gets. I want to see Stallone fucking shit up. I want to see people telling mean jokes, right? I want to see explosions, jokes, all that. Stuff. I want raunchy stuff. I don't. I, Barbie, not for me. Not 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 a Mike Gilbert movie. I'm a I'm less meathead than Mike. Not much, but less. Um, I have a film degree, so I plan on seeing Barbie. But um, that's a Michelle movie, not a JD movie. So if she wants to watch a movie, we wait till it's available on streaming. If yeah. I want to see a movie, I go to the theater <laughs> to see it immediately because I'm a yeah. I mean, I'm a theater junkie. I love going to the movie theater. She doesn't like she'll go see the Marvel movies at a theater because she thinks the, she likes the spectacle of those movies. Yeah. And she likes those movies. But we decide we've already committed that when uh, Barbie is on streaming because Andy not watching Barbie. I've got a seven year old. <laughs> you can't question his masculinity right now. So yeah. we'll see it. I haven't seen it yet, but good things. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it's going to have the heart of Godzilla minus one. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> and well, uh, not many things are going to be as good as uh, Godzilla minus one. Iron Claw so, getting some rave really, reviews, man. And I, some friends of mine went and saw it in the theater because it's out. And then I actually checked. It was here in Hawaii yesterday and it's, it's already out. gone. It's going to be gone for two weeks. They did a, um, a pre-screening all over. And I think part of they, AMC theater or something well, like they that. All, they do that so they can get an Oscar contention for the year, right? Yeah. They do this a lot with those movies. They give them a, a quick release so they can say, if this movie came out this year, so it can get a little bit of the Oscar buzz going. I know there was a bad review that Dave had posted of it. Someone had saw it. And my vibe was it wasn't 100% historically accurate. So then Dave kind of shit on it a little bit and that became the narrative. But every, every like yeah. real film person that I've heard from is like, this is an amazing piece of film. And I'm, I am so excited to see the Iron Claw. Me, me too. And I got to give some advice to people that are hardcore wrestling fans that probably know that story pretty well, like you and I. Did I you should. did you watch? Did you listen to the Laps fan cover it? It was, it was so good, oh, so in depth. They did the the lamentable tragedy of world class championship wrestling. I saw the uh, the Heroes of World Class documentary. Saw the WWE documentary. Saw the Vice documentary. Uh, I I love this story, but when you go watch the movie it's not going to be 100% accurate because they have to crunch it down to about a two-hour time period, and then they got to sell it to Hollywood. And most of Hollywood does not care about the true story, 
right? So some of it is going to be Hollywoodized and you got to just get over it. That's what happens with these movies. Um, and some people just can't seem to wrap their brains around the fact that this is a movie and not a documentary. You know what I mean? Well, okay, here, okay. Most documentaries aren't, documentary is not journalism, right? Yeah. All documentarians are telling a story and not 100% of the real story makes it to any documentary. That's just the nature of storytelling. And when you're right. telling a story, it, the real life doesn't follow the beats of a story. It just doesn't, which is why real life sucks. The movies are better. So, I mean, like, you're not going to, it's not going to work that way. Yes, they cut Chris Von Eric because let's be honest, Chris Von Eric didn't matter. It just one, hey. it was just the icing on the tragedy cake. I mean, like, I, I don't think, Fritz, I think, I honestly Fritz think didn't even care about Chris Von Eric. That's accurate, actually. Fritz yeah. did not care about Chris Von Eric. And, like, I think, oh, there's another brother that dies. Come on, that's too much. I mean, like, yeah, it's going to get Mike and Mike, right? And Carrie. And that's like plenty. That's plenty of death yeah. in a film. Like it's yeah. Apparently, apparently they like, cut uh, Lance von Eric out of it. So old MJF didn't make the final cut. Can I be honest with you? I'm shocked they had Lance von Eric in it. I don't know why they would have had because he was such a an unimportant like nothing part of that story. Well, uh, I you know like. And and I Lance. got what they were trying to do because they were trying to, you know, they wanted to bring in a Lance, you know, like a Von Eric cousin. It was supposed to be Waldo's son. It just didn't work, but it really doesn't have anything to do life. with the tragedy of the story. I think like was they brought him in. So they bring in Lance when Carrie loses the foot. Right. I don't know. Some, maybe some people listeners don't know that Carrie Von Eric. When you saw Carrie Von Eric as the Texas tornado in WWF in the early 90s, he didn't have a foot. Mm hmm. Like there's this famous angle, and I think it's with the Colonel De Beers, and this is I, I forget if it's po no yeah it was it was pre WWE. Colonel De Beers rips Carrie's boot off, and everybody's like, "Holy shit, it's a real thing!" It's the first time you saw that Carrie had one foot. Carrie lost his leg and or his foot in a motorcycle accident, and they they surgically repaired the foot, and he was all fucked up on drugs. And while he was recovering in the hospital and saw there was a burger on the table, got up to get the burger and crushed his foot again. And they had to amputate it. So the Carrie mm -hmm. Von Eric that we all saw that most people saw was wrestling with one freaking foot, which just goes to show you how really great Carrie Von Eric was, which is why he was so much more nimble when he was, you know, in Texas and stuff like that than when he finally got there. So I think that the Lance comes in when Carrie, I believe, I believe Lance comes in when Carrie's hurt. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they could, or either when Carrie's hurt, and when Mike is, when Mike, when they trotted out Mike, who'd, who whose brain it almost basically been fried from toxic shock syndrome. God, this movie's gonna be hard to watch. <laughs> it it is, man, it is. Um, oh, transferring heat in the chat, um, our boy. He says an uh, accident happened in 1986. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, it is right without actually to... without actually going to look it up. I think I'm pretty sure that's right. I, so that sounds I'm about right. And I'm pretty sure that's when Lance comes in. It's 86. Yeah, because at this point the territory is on its ass. Like 83, there's not a hotter territory than WCCW. And mm. we're gonna watch that. So Mike and I are gonna, we're gonna do a watch on uh, Christmas Star Wars from 83. It's gonna yeah. be awesome. Uh, 84, they're still pretty hot. After that, it starts to slip. Well, so David dies in 84, right? 84. And, but Carrie wins the world title, but then he gives it right back. And then Carrie starts slipping, right? And then he ends up, and then I, and then like it was just tragedy after tragedy. Because mm -hmm. it wasn't just the Von Eric brothers dying, like 
Gino Hernandez died and mm -hmm. like other guys in the territory. Died. So if you guys have not watched the heroes of world class, I, that's, that's out there. Yeah, I think you can get on Amazon. Um, really, really good documentary um, out there. But, Gino, gosh, Gino's in the movie. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you gotta have Gino. I think. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he, I think he's, he's another guy that just died. Like gets, gets real hot and then dies, you know, it's like, Oh, I mean, what that, a fucking, he was, a he would have been, cause he would have been a perfect, like long-term foil for them because him and chris Von, or him and chris eric chris Von, chris adams had just formed had like they were really hot as the dynamic duo tag team dude you yeah. fucked up the wccw was when g like so they before gino dies they do this angle where chris you know the blind angle they blinded yeah. chris adams right so this is they're setting up the the dynamic duo feud of, of chris adams and and gino and gino dies and then they have the audacity to go on and say we've had two tragedies the death of gino hernandez and the blinding of Chris Adams. And it's like, good uh, God, Fritz never, Fritz has zero conscience, which is why this movie is going to be amazing because they're going to show you what a piece of shit Fritz von Erich truly was. Like, it's, it's so fucked yeah. up. Yeah. I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy playing him, he's a really good actor. I saw him in, um, he, he was in a boxing TV show that was on FX back in the day, but the guy, the guy's really, really good. Um, he's speaking good of the Von Erichs, yeah, yeah. Speaking of the Von Erichs, they're going to be in AEW this coming up Tuesday. I think you called it right here on the show that the Von Erics would be in around Christmas time. And sure enough, uh, their winter's coming. It's in Dallas. And we got Kevin and Marshall and Ross uh, coming in, man. Um, probably a one night only deal, though. Huh? Mike, if you were struggling to sell tickets, like AEW struggling to sell tickets, and you run the Texas market as frequently as AEW runs the Texas markets, you'd think that maybe they would hype this a little bit. You would think that maybe they'd show the Iron Claw trailer during. You would think that they would have Max talking about, he's on the show fucking 10 other times, talking about yeah. nothingness. You think you talk about the movie he's credited as an executive producer on. You think you do one of your awesome hype packages that you just fired the guy who makes all those. You'd think you'd try to get people excited even if here's the big secret, Ross and Marshall really aren't that great, but they have a presence. They have an aura. Mm -hmm. You think you'd want to hype this to like, make sure people watch, make sure people buy tickets, but in classic AEW fashion, you throw a graphic. It's like next week, the Von Eriks. <laughs> yeah. Don't you dare miss it. Um, yeah, exactly. I, you know what? They're, they're really, they really are underselling it. Um, and I think that might get reflected in the ticket sales. Um, I think they're probably not hyping it because this is only going to be a one-time deal. I don't think well, they're interested in bringing it in the bond Yeah, well, I mean, they, they, look, they should have did what they did with Mystico, right? They should have called yeah. up Court Bauer, got some footage. Called, like, TNA's got a little bit of footage on these guys where they were in Texas. You Noah know, does. Kevin doing the claw. Yeah, no, Noah does. So th there's footage out there they could get. They, yeah, they should have hyped the shit out of it and, you know, um, and give them a couple of, you know, jobbers to beat up and then send send the crowd home happy let and let uh let kevin do the claw the movies the an a24 movie so it's not even a big studio thing so i mean you can easily get a24 to give you some stuff and go hey you're gonna promote our movie great it's a low budget yeah. film like just this company is so stupid about take it's like every, i feel like we have this conversation all the time and they're gonna do some bogos and they're gonna put four thousand in the billing people and they're gonna be like oh wow what a great job aw selling tickets again like <laughs> They trip over dollars to pick up dimes constantly. Like, I just, Tony Khan has completely lost, completely lost sight 
of how to hype these shows. A24 just signed a deal with maybe for streaming rights. So it's right. No, thanks. Yeah, that's right there. I had no yeah. idea about right that. There. Like that's even, yeah. that's even worse. Get the fucking trailer on your show. Hype this. Get <laughs> people to see the movie. It's a goddamn wrestling movie that your world champion is in and as an executive producer of. What are we doing? Why are we, why is this so difficult? I don't understand. Max has got to be in 18 fucking segments of show. But you can't hype the one thing that's interesting right now. We got to have Roddy Strong screaming at him and all that dumb shit. God, I hate that. Oh, he's he's moved to shouting Renee now, uh, Roddy Strong. At least it's different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, say a little bit of positivity about AEW, I thought. Or people are saying wow. that Daniel Garcia and, Dan and Brian Danielson had a great match. So, Oh, wow. When you let good wrestlers have oh, good matches, that happens. Maybe yeah. we got to put Sky yeah. Blue in another match. She's only <laughs> she's only worked once this week. Isn't Sky Blue in Final Battle coming up against Athena? Isn't that what they went with her? Who's no, no, who's Billy, facing Billy Athena? Starks. Billy Starks. Billy Starks. It's the actual good <laughs> young wrestler they have. She's Sorry. actually good. Billy, Billy Starks actually is pretty yeah. good. Like Sky okay. Blue is uh she's fucking terrible. Like she is <laughs> yeah. absolutely terrible. And I get she's great looking. I get why they have her on TV, but she's had more matches than anybody else in AEW this year. Wow. Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it, man. I, I typically skip those segments, to be honest with you. Uh, got some more notes here. Um, dude, um, this is pretty cool. Um, speaking of hell freezing over, and we already talked about Okada and the possibility of him going to WWE, one American company is bringing him into their promotion. Sunday night, January 14th, Las Vegas, Nevada, the Pearl at the Palms. Night after Hard to Kill, TNA presents Snake Eyes, uh, TNA Impact televised event um okada coming to tna man um after years of being abused by tna and the vince russo uh hulk hogan eric bischoff regime calling him okado kind of tanking his excursion he went to new japan hating tna for life and then here he is coming back um time and money heals all wounds time and money especially when you got a guy who wants some money heals yeah. all wounds um <laughs> yeah. Here's the question. Do you have Okada like do anything with the Okado gimmick? Like, do you have him throw it on the mask? Like, if he could cut a promo, he'd make fun of it. But I mean, like, I'm sure he would in yeah. Japanese, but not in America. And I, I mean, it would be lost in the English audience. I mean, like, do you have any reference to the Okado thing if you're TNA? I think a big you... part of what TNA is currently doing and like a big part of their new appeal is nostalgia. I think you got to make a, at least a joke about it, have a heel kind of like, you know, I got you know it. what I mean? Like, I got it. Swing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's right there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got, you got to do, you got to do something with it. Um, but Swinger yeah. comes out, Swinger comes out in the Okado and then eats a Rainmaker. Yes. Yes. If, yeah. he, if Nicky you know was still with the company, that would be him all over, but now it's gotta right. be Swinger. Yeah. Any chance we get Okada versus Josh Alexander? Maybe. Um, you know, at, at the same taping, Will Ospreay is also going to be at that taping. And there were rumors of an Osprey Alexander rematch coming up. So maybe um maybe we get Osprey Alexander, but I'd like to see Okada Alexander. Okada and Alexander were in the same ring for the first time here recently when uh, Josh and uh, the Motor City Machine Guns went to uh, Japan to challenge for the trios championships there. So um I I, th I think we could get something like that. Um, Josh has been losing a lot more. I think they're trying to, you know, build other guys. And so Josh has been doing some jobs lately and then I'm sure they'll build him back up eventually. But, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we get Alexander, maybe we get Okada versus Dolph Ziggler. Who knows? Who knows is coming up in TNA? 
Well, Dolph Ziggler's retiring for six to twelve months, is what he told everybody. So, you yeah, know, far yeah, be it from a professional wrestler to lie. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what the yeah. best version of Okada is? I was watching some stuff from the World Tag League. Him and him and my favorite feud in wrestling is Okada and Kiyomiya. Yes, Kiyomiya, <laughs> yeah, Kaido Kiyomiya just brings out this side of, of Okada that's just the nastiest little fucking dickhead. Like he's so. Like little, he like little brothers Kiyomiya every chance he gets, and he beats mm-hmm. his ass, and treats him like a turd, kind of like you know New Japan treats Noah in general sometimes. Like, yeah. I just it entertains the hell out of me. It's my favorite version of Okada, is just how nasty yeah. he is in those. Yeah, Okada just being a dick to people just tickles me. Um, transferring, he says TNA ticket sales not very good so far. Yeah, uh, yeah so. The, the TV tapings were at 280 last we checked. Um, so hopefully Okada and Will Ospreay will help that out. And then uh, the Hard to Kill was j- just over 500. So they're still not even 50% sold there. So That's they're, they're going to have to do something. Yeah, they're going to have to do something. They're going to have to get on the ground and, and do whatever it takes. But they're going to have to fill out those buildings. Um, maybe, look, Las Vegas, maybe there's a Latino market there they can leverage. I don't know. But uh, they got to do something, man. Got a bunch of loot stores doing jobs like they always do. Um, yeah. I'm just a step. A healthy WWE is not good for wrestling. It's not. Yeah. A rising tide does yeah. not lift all ships. No, because if people want wrestling, they'll. It's easier to get WWE. They'll just get watch WWE. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's the thing. So, hopefully, hopefully, some of these announcements and you look. And I get the feeling that uh, old Scotty Demore and uh, Lou D'Angeli has uh, some tricks up their sleeve for Hard to Kill. They've only announced okay. two matches so far. They got the final resolution on Saturday night, which I'm going to be checking out and I'll be doing a recap for uh, for the site. Um, so lots of TNA stuff coming down the pike. Um, speaking of TNA, and I, this is not going to be a TNA heavy show, but I feel like we should talk about it. Deanna Prazo, and she's one of a bunch of new free agents that got announced today. First name on the list is Deanna Perrazzo, man. Um, been here a long time. She's probably accomplished just about everything that you can accomplish in, in a in a small promotion. I get the feeling that uh, both AEW and WWE are going to be uh, looking for her as soon as she hits free agency. I feel like we've had this conversation three or four times. Uh, I feel been- like, well, she's it's she's been rumored to be a free agent, but now it's like legit. She's like yeah. her last date Saturday. Well, yeah, but I feel like we've had the kind of, like I feel like you and I have done the epitaph on Deanna Perrazzo's TNA career numerous yeah. times. Um, maybe now we should be well practiced. Um, yeah, she's done everything. We said this two years ago. She's done everything she could do in Impact. There's nothing more time to. It's, I get that it's time to do something else. Um, here's the thing: there's a lot of there's a lot of women in a, in WWE right now. Yeah, right and. There's not a lot of spots in AEW because you get the one match per show, and God, and, that, and that's and that's the and that's the killer, right? Like mm-hmm. a, AEW would be a great spot for her because of her style. I think she can have really good matches there. I agree, but they just don't put enough women's matches on the show, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, the women's like, and the women's matches they do put on are oftentimes bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Am I, I'm, I'm sorry, I gotta be a dick when I say that, but a lot of times they're just not very good. Like they well, have women in the company that have good matches, but they just, they just don't, don't they just don't use them. They put mm-hmm. on Sky Blue, who sticks Sky the Blue. joint out for 15 yeah. minutes. That's right. And we, I mean, yeah. Tony's super over right now. Like, I cannot say yeah. that. Don't, I don't hate the gimmick as much as a lot of our brethren do because it's mid card, it's whatever. But like, and if she doesn't wrestle the gimmick, it's fine. When she wrestles the gimmick, it's stupid. But Sky Blue is on the show every fucking week. And she's really bad. 
and she doesn't yeah. have a lot of personality. And I just, I don't, I don't understand what they're doing. So if I'm Deanna Perazzo, I'm like, I don't know. I don't really know. Like, I just, I don't know if there's a lot of spots in WWE at the moment, you know, like, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't see it. Cause they're trying to figure out what they're doing with Jade still. And like, there's still I keep forgetting Jade's. Are... I keep forgetting the Jade's there. Well, it's funny. I was listening to Rich. And, I was listening to the flagship with Rich and Joe, and they brought up a good point. Like WWE was like all the idiot, the you know the blue check marks on Twitter. Your Julian Weeks of the world were like day one star in WWE, and they put her on that they had to come out of the Hummer, and she was in a throne, and then they're like, well, she clearly doesn't know how to work, and it's like, <laughs> oh, but you signed her, so <laughs> yeah. like. You try to put yeah. one over an AEW, but you just paid a lot more for someone that you admit. Like, it's actually, you talk about this a lot with like the Adam Copeland things. Like, well, they got him, you know, to, they WWE scammed it, Tony, into spending more money. I kind of think Tony did it a little bit with Jade. Yeah, she'll be a star eventually, you know, but it's like, I'm, you got to wait. Like, if they put her in NXT, it's like, okay, well, she's not very good. And we have to admit that. So they have to get her like main roster ready, but everyone keeps telling me that, like, well, you know, she doesn't have to wrestle to be a star in WWE. Well, if that was the case, she'd be on the show now. <laughs> She's not doing anything you know? right now. No, she's not doing yeah. anything right now. While you know, they're trying to convince us that Brian Pillman is like special. Yeah, I'll know, <laughs> I'll know, I'll know the machine is working when our buddy Salty Scott tells me how great Lexus King truly is. Because he just <laughs> loves he just loves eating up the yeah. WWE ice cream. He yeah. loves it. Well, he he'll believe that they're that he's great when uh, the announcers tell you that he's great, and then he'll. Just Vic Joseph to says Lexus yeah. King has has <laughs> finally come, and then we get the this guy's cooking. That I stole Joe Lanza's bit there, but yeah, yeah. that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, Hammerstone. I think we've already talked about Hammerstone, but he announced it today. Like legit, he's done with MLW. Uh, he's he's coming to becoming a free agent. I don't see AEW in his future. Um, I don't think that he's famous enough and well thought of enough to go to WWE and not do the wellness policy. So I'm thinking TNA, like I, I think he's like TNA bound. I would like that. Hammerstone's good. Um, yeah. he'd be a great pickup. Here's my thought though. Like neither one of us would have pegged Eli Drake as being WWE bound at 39. Yeah. You know, and now he's one of the biggest stars in the world. So I wouldn't put them signing anybody quite I, frankly. nothing nothing would nothing would surprise me i think um la knight has infinitely a more charisma than oh, Hammerstone oh, absolutely. does. Absolutely. you know what i mean absolutely. so and he's been working he's been working at wwe gimmick for a long time now, hammerstone has just been cosplaying hulk hogan and lex luger for a while he's just six inches shorter than those guys are but he's doing his best yeah, Joe I brings up he, a good point. Hammerstone and MJF are pretty good friends. I don't know that they're really they're, good friends. I know they were in a faction there no, at MLW they're, for a little bit. They are? Okay. Having interviewed, having inter I get to interview Hammerstone back when I was a fan sided. And this is when MJF had just first started showing up on AEW. He was praising him up and down. MJF always retweets okay. Hammer. What I was surprised, the biggest surprise of Hammerstone announcing this is because it, to me was that Richard Holiday showed back up in, in MLW. He He's taken. Um, Hammerstone spot in the WTF, the World Titan <laughs> Federation stable. Yeah. And courts completely lost the plot. Um, so I, I know he was backstage in a couple dynamite shows. Like, I'm surprised nobody kicked the tires on Richard Holiday. WWE you know, or 
I and I felt like his story of beating cancer would have been yeah, something that they would have wanted because he's a, he's a good enough wrestler, right? And I think he's a good he's promo. Fine. He's probably yeah. a guy that you would have as a manager, you know, eventually, like a guy, a manager that can take some bumps. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, that is true. He is pretty tall for a manager, but you know, I still I still think that 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 mm. could have worked. But could. um, you know, he, he's got some charisma. He's got like a little shit heel kind of a mm-hmm. Bobby Davis type manager type of gimmick, you know what I mean? So he does the, he's does the AirPods. I thought that, I think the that's pretty problem, funny. But. The problem with holiday and a, in AEW, I always thought would be like, he's so much like MJF, but the MJF character is completely different now. Well, not completely different, but different enough now that maybe, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I could, I could mm-hmm. see, well, let's be honest. If Max tells Tony to sign Hammerstone, he's getting signed. Yeah. But I don't know if that's a good move for him. I'd rather see him in TNA. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 th- I think so. Um, because I feel like, you know, Dave had it in the Observer today that um, AEW has 142 wrestlers under contract. If they were to hire me, the f- uh, to be an executive to run that promotion, the first thing I would do is get I rid of about her. 45. <laughs> I, I would probably, I'd probably shit can about 45 of them. You know, keep my top 100, and then everybody else can just be brought in on certain dates, just like to to supplement TV shows. But I, I'd, I'd cut like 45 of them. Sorry, guys, no, nobody's producing at a high enough level to be under contract f- to have that many people under contract. It's ridiculous. They have, and it's like it's not like when Dynamite was only a two hour show. They have five hours of TV. And I feel like you could be better utilizing that roster, but yeah. maybe you can't. I mean, like 142 people to have under contract is a lot. And some of them, like a Megan Bain, who's in Stardom right now, I think you keep her under contract. She's not producing for you right now, but she's she's on excursion getting better. Yeah. So you keep her. But Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy are bitching about their push right now. And Jeff Hardy almost killed somebody. So <laughs> yeah. um, I'd say I'd say bye-bye to the Hardy brothers. And you know who else yeah. I'd say bye-bye to? Um, is Andrade, uh, you know, this guy, yeah, transition. He was, that was on my list. He is, he is talking about becoming a free agent. Uh, At least it got leaked to the observer that he thinks he's going to be a free agent soon. Some people think maybe over the summer, some people think even sooner than that. Um, you know, he's just a guy that's never been happy there. He's just got to go. Right. Did you see the, uh, CMLL results from tonight? They it Andrade is doing a run with CMLL again. I'm not sure yeah, if he's La Sombra yeah. again there, but he's coming back to CMLL for a brief time. Dave said it could be something permanent. It could be a stop off if he goes back to WWE. Here's yeah. the problem with Andrade I mean, is I don't think he's going to get pushed in WWE either because you got the younger, better version of him in Santos Escobar. <laughs> yeah, and well, and I, I think I think it would be they. He would be right where he was when he left WWE before, which is not doing much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I don't, I don't know that he's going to be better off in WWE. It was just he was just a guy that, you know, if he would have just probably had a better attitude in AEW, they might have pushed him more. But you know, he had that issue with Sammy Guevara where he slapped him and got, uh, and he did it on purpose to get fired. <laughs> so, so who, who among he, us, who among us has not wanted to slap Sammy Guevara at least three times? And I think everybody at least three times come on to slap him. But yeah, he's just got a very slappable face, but totally um, face. I'm sure his newborn has slapped him in the face at least six times by now. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know, but Andrade no, says Andrade's three years, five years younger than Santos. I stand corrected. Joe, sir. Joe's one of those, Joe's he, he's one of those dickheads that looks stuff up and like fact checks us, you know, which is, I stand. Move. I stand corrected. 
But yeah. like, it just, uh, and, I guess uh, in, yeah, I, I guess tra- transferring heat makes that. a good point that uh, Santos also can speak English, which and he he cuts really good promos in English. Santos does. But so. he also says Triple H did push Andrade was he pushed him in NXT. He everyone did. gets yeah. pushed in NXT, but everyone gets pushed in NXT, right? The problem with everybody getting pushed in NXT is and everybody goes to the main roster, and you can't push everybody that gets a push in NXT. Like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. I don't. Well, they they get pushed and then they get brought up to the main roster, and like so, the next crop gets pushed in NXT to get to the main roster. But when you get to the main roster, you're not pushing anybody off the top. Those people are staying. Right? Those people ain't moving. So you're not going to get the same push that you had when you're on a smaller TV show when you're in the developmental brand. That's just not going to happen because they have to push you eventually there. But once mm-hmm. you get to the main roster, they don't have to because they're already they already have their group of people that they're pushing. And here's the problem with Andrade. He's a malcontent. He's unhappy. Yeah. Maybe you have to push him to make Charlotte happy. But at the same time, I don't think he's got a lot of people there that love him. Cause he got released the first time and nobody was like, Oh man, we got to get Banny back. You know, like, yeah. And his buddy, old buddy Murphy was, uh, was the guy like, they were like friends or whatever. And they got released together and then they both went to AEW. So he's not, other than Charlie, he's not going back to a place that's kind of like begging to have him back. I don't think. No, um, but despite, I would, despite the fact he did have a really good run in NXT. I loved his run there. Oh, it was fun. It was yeah. He had good match. Like everyone has good matches. Everyone who's good had good matches in the Triple H or in yeah. NXT. But like, tell me that great story or that great feud that he had. Like he didn't. Like Triple H just put matches together. He didn't do anything like really. Like you know what I'm saying? Like he's, he had good matches. But I mean, like yeah. it wasn't like he had like this epic story like you know Johnny Gargano had or something like that or Adam Cole. Like he was there yeah. for a little bit he and he moved up. Yeah, he did. He did have a really good match with Gargano, but it wasn't like an extended yeah. few. But I think they got, I think they got five stars. At one of their matches, which is pretty I, difficult for WWE both, match to get five. So. They're both great wrestlers. The problem with yeah. Andrade is he's a miserable human being. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know who actually put in a bid for Andrade before he went to AEW and actually matched the per date deal was TNA. So I think that could be interesting if they're trying to make some moves. Maybe they try to go for him because you know they went for Osprey and they lost out. They went for CM Punk and lost out. Maybe they maybe they try to go for Andrade because you know I think he would be a star there. He would be like a guy that's like immediately at the top if they were to pick him up. But is he is it worth it? Is see the thing about uh, Tina right now, they have a great yeah. he is they have a great locker room. Everybody's happy yeah. there. I don't know how they're happy yeah. with two hundred people at their shows, but like. People are soon generally happy there. They've done a good job cultivating a good locker room. You put Manny Andrade there, he's a miserable person. He's he's like yeah. punk. He's like punk. Yeah. He makes everybody around him miserable. And he's going to expect the promotion to be booked around him. And you're going to get great matches. You're going to get great matches with Josh and Andrade. You get great matches with those guys. But he also, Dave also said that Andrade's rate is stupid expensive. It's yeah. insanely expensive. He said that well, Triple that, A paid more for him than Kenny Omega. <laughs> which is mind-boggling which is, it is but but because, in mexico andrade would be a bigger draw than omega and in, well, in sombra was it i mean like yeah well, sombra was I, a good draw i mean like i don't know is he really that big a draw in mexico i i or think it, well hell I, I don't okay i can't i'm not gonna sit here and pretend like i know about mexican wrestling and lucha libre but i, I would just like assume, i think it's a safe assumption that he would be more important to a mexican company than kenny omega would be I w- well, you would think so, but they put who who had the who who did Triple A keep with that mega title? They don't give a fuck about that title. But they didn't. They book just put it on. They just try to. Many times, they just try to. How, they just try to put it on people. 
it's it's been on Vikingo for like a year and a half. So yeah, we can say that about. I mean, like for a long time, I would agree with you. But that title has been on the best worker in the company for the last two years, basically. Yeah. So, but that's my point. Is like if if Andrade meant a lot to their business, wouldn't he be there more frequently? Oh, yeah. Two shows. Yeah. Well, he apparently, yeah, he, not worth the money that he was asking. Clearly. He ain't psycho clown. Yeah, that's no, I don't I know this this bothers nobody. Psycho fans. clown. Vikingo's but not psycho, even psycho clown. That guy is true. over Vikingo's like, crazy. Yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, that's the thing though is we assume we assume all these guys go back and they're going to be huge draws. But Andrade wasn't a AAA guy to begin with, and AAA is different than CMLL, right? Yeah. They run different parts of the country. It's different. So I mean, like I think we just assume because he was on WWE TV that he would mean something. He hadn't meant shit in AEW. No, no. Well, he came in at a time where they had already had so many, you know, different uh, WWE guys where he just kind of like where he came like right at the end of the pandemic where it was just like one after another after another. And he just really meant nothing. Um, and I mean, he's had some really good matches. Don't get me wrong, but he never really never really caught fire in AEW. Uh, King no. of the North checking in on JD. Uh, JD hasn't lost his mind yet. Not yet. It's going to happen yeah, it's eventually. Coming. It's coming. Yeah. I did praise I did praise a love story in a Godzilla movie for a good 20 minutes. So depending on your opinion of whether or not I've lost touch with reality, probably you know reflected there somewhere. I just don't think I don't think this is this CML thing will be interesting because CML is on fire this year. They've been drawing really good houses. Mystico still means something as a draw. You know, Sabrano Jr. is, is really getting hot as a heel right now. Like they got Tessa something. Blanchard is over there killing it. <laughs> Lucha Doncic. Shout out Lucha Doncic. He's been on the bring Tessa back to America train. Did did you read Dave's review of her match saying nobody Uh, cared? They said it would have been a great, it was said it would have gotten, it would have gotten over in the U S big time, but nobody in arena Mexico gave a shit. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. CMLL is kind of uh, carving out their niche for um, bringing in the, the canceled wrestlers because flip Gordon as King of the North just said, he is, he is there. He's a full-time guy now. Um, is flip canceled or is he just dumb? Um, I, you know what? I thought he did. He wasn't canceled for any like abusive behavior, but during the pandemic, people were pretty done with him because he was the anti-vax guy or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like one thing to be like, not want to get the vaccine. It's like, okay, that's your body, whatever. But he was like actively attacking people for, for wanting to get it. Oh, he's (laughs) that kind of asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And, And for like wearing masks and stuff like, he was oh. like going on Twitter, yeah. So he he was yeah. like one of those guys, you know. It's like people come were on, losing their minds. I know, man. I know. A, uh, a lot of a lot of. I know a lot of people. I lost a lot of respect for a lot of people during that Me time, too. and I didn't really care if they got the vaccine or not. But if they were like took a strong position and they wanted to demonize somebody else because their position was opposite, I was like, I, I'm I'm not with you. I can't do it. So. I learned during COVID because of people like this, I learned the greatest thing on Facebook because like on Twitter, I found that I've met a lot of people that I've had good conversations with. And I like, I typically have good experiences on Twitter on Facebook. I've learned to hate lifelong friends. So what I decided to do, because I was getting miserable on looking at Facebook, I unfollowed every single person on Facebook. I don't follow anybody. I just follow brands groups and I post pictures of my kid and I don't interact with anybody. Yeah, and I don't, and I, 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 my Facebook time was cut in like, it was cut by like two thirds, right? And I don't see anybody's stupid bullshit because on Twitter it's shorter and it's mostly wrestling Mm -hmm. or comic book curated from my end, and I don't have to read what my dumbass cousins think about anything or my dipshit sister. 
my sister's a complete dipshit, by the way. So I mean, like, <laughs> shout out Jenny's sister. She's a, yeah, listen, she's a fucking moron. But I mean, like, I, I, it's just the best way to do it. Like, so if you Facebook friend request me, I'll accept, but I'm never gonna see a single thing you write. I'm following that's anybody. I'm following my wife, and she don't post anything, and she don't care. She knows my yeah. plan. That's genius, genius level stuff. All right. Lastly, before we get off here, and before we uh, head over to overtime. Um, <laughs> Brian Danielson has been accused of fining wrestlers for their social media activity. Um, and somebody was saying that Mike Santana was one of those wrestlers because he's another malcontent who's trying to get out of he's his contract apparently. Um, and uh, apparently he's got six weeks left. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just just a rumor that's out there. But uh, you know what? Okay, look, if AEW is finding their wrestlers for being stupid on social media, about time. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that I think they need to, you know, look, I get free speech and you gotta get, but if you're going on there and, and I know they're independent contractors, right. But if they're actively going on there and bashing the company that they work for, I, I, I think you got to clamp down on that type of behavior. I, I, and I say that knowing that um, a couple years ago, I was guilty of backing WWE wrestlers when they were coming out against their company because I didn't like WWE at the time. So now I'm being a complete hypocrite. I'm being a complete hypocrite. So I'm going to go back in time and say WWE should have fined those guys too. So no, I I agree. And there's the thing is like, you don't see a lot of those from WWE. Even when like, I remember before Cody came so much, man, before Cody came back and after Cody came back to WWE, it's like a different world of pro wrestling. But remember the Royal Rumble 2022? I remember Dave wrote, the morale has never been worse in this company, mm-hmm. right? But you didn't see them going on like like Kevin Owens did the coordinates of of Mount Rushmore, and that was like it, and that that was like all you'd ever see. Like in AEW, you've got like I said, Matt Hardy's going on there and bitching about his push. It's like, dude, you can't even walk. You haven't done a single cool thing since you've been here. Like, where do you get off? Put like talking about anybody's stuff. Like, no, I'm I'm kind of with. And here's the funny part is the people that are bitching about Danielson handing out fines are the same people that masturbate over old uh, uh, Undertaker wrestlers court stories. Yeah, that's when that's when men were tough, you know, idiots. Yeah, well, here, here's my problem with it. Why is Danielson even being mentioned? He's just part of like a committee of people. The fines are coming from Tony Khan. He, but it's yeah. Tony Khan. Put the blame yeah. on Khan. Don't don't put the blame like Danielson's not the one like here here's your fine right like uh, like Bob Armstrong used to do in Smoky Mountain wrestling you know on TV. You've been fined five hundred dollars. That's what he, that's what he always tell fucking Bill Watts would do in real life. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, playing yeah. cards backstage. That's four hundred dollars. So, here, that that's my problem with it, and I think Khan needs to get out ahead of that, right? Because like one of his top stars is taking the blame and taking the heat for all this stuff. Khan needs to come out like, no, I'm the one. I I I consult with people. I get people's opinions. I'm finding these fucking idiots, right? I'm doing it. I fired CM Punk. Not Danielson. Like I'm doing all of this. Stop coming well, he out. Did. He went on right. television and said I fired yeah. CM Punk. I don't know what more he could have done for that. I, you know? I know, but then it came it came out afterwards, and now people are blaming uh, Brian Danielson. You just needs to make sure, like, to reiterate, like I'm the only fucker that makes a decision around here. Nobody else makes any decisions but well, me. Here's what's funny is for years we always we said Tony's got to delegate more. Tony's got to delegate more. So Kevin Sullivan gets fired because Mastery's like, look, we're gonna move in a different direction. And it's like, and people are like, why didn't Tony Khan do anything? And it's like, didn't you tell him to delegate? Like he's letting, if that yeah. guy's in charge of TV, he should be in charge of TV. And Tony just signs off on it. Okay, that's what you want to do. Go do it. Like, yeah, that's but, how I mean, but one. Yeah, 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 yeah. But decisions are made, you know, ultimate decisions, like especially with talent, 
comes from comes from the boss, right? You don't you don't want like another talent taking taking the heat for that. You you be the one to take uh to take the heat for it. Yeah, but it's easier to give the heat to the guy than the boss, right? It's like Vince loved me. Is Pritchard yeah. hated me, and or, and that's or, and that's exactly and and he's putting himself in like a Vince type position, right? And that's kind of I, the way I see it. Like, oh yeah, Vince loved me, funny. but Bruce Pritchard fucking hated me, or Jim Ross hated me and right. fired my ass and and well, fined me. It's like no, every everything it was Vince. It was always Vince, and it's the same Mike, situation here. Mike, what's the through line with that? Wrestlers, they're dumb. Yeah. They are. Right? They're just dumb. Like, like they, they're easy to work. Like, it's just, I'm sorry, yeah. but it's the truth. And if you're going to get mad at Brian, if you're going to get mad at someone, like Coney Khan's being an adult in this situation, I give him, we, I believe me, no one's been harder on his leadership than you or I. He's doing this here, and Brian Danielson is heading up this disciplinary committee, and he gets to be the guy, that, the hatchet guy, right? Because I don't think Tony's got an end to be the hatchet guy. So if you can't be the hatchet guy, Hire have someone else be the hatchet guy. It's weird that it's Brian, but I mean, like, I think Brian's yeah. respected enough. And I think Brian's respected enough in the locker room for that. If they say if Brian goes, look, I'm gonna have to find you. I think everybody like, fine, yeah, okay, like that guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think yeah. I think of it's like like the boys we lost here, and I said I'm disappointed in you, and they were all like, oh, like I think it's like one of those things where imagine if Punk had that job, people would be like, fuck you, you know, like yeah, they'd be yeah, acting like Joey Janelle on Twitter, <laughs> like when he's pretending like what he did in AEW mattered. Ah oh, man, don't even fucking talk about that. <laughs> I had forgotten all about Joey Janela that he was actually a thing in AEW at one point. He wasn't ever really a thing in AEW. Like he was just no. kind of there. Remember when everybody was convinced that Joey Janela was good because like he booked like kind of fun indie shows that first couple years, and people were like Joey Janela is really good. And I saw him in All In, and he had a decent match with Hangman Page because Hangman Page has great matches with everybody. He had, he had a good match with Kenny Omega in Newsflash. Kenny yeah, Omega Kenny rules. Omega also has yeah. good matches with everybody. <laughs> Kenny Omega had the greatest squash match ever with Sonny Kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, hey, guys, uh, I think that's going to do it for us uh, this week on the Mike and JD Show. Uh, stay tuned next week. We'll be back on Thursday night, hopefully. Hopefully my balls will allow it. But we should be back on Thursday night. Um, and uh, head over to patreon.com slash the Mike and JD Show. JD and I are getting ready to lay down some audio talking about the history of Oh, excuse me, of Sting and Ric Flair because we got Sting's final match coming up. And so JD and I are um, are big fans of NWA in the 80s and 90s. So we're just going to kind of talk about some of our favorite memories and favorite matches and kind of go through the history of uh, these two guys and kind of riff on that. So uh, we're going to talk about that because they got that big match coming up in, um, in Greensboro this coming up February. So that was fresh on our minds. Um, so stay tuned for that. And then I'll also be back two times this weekend with Brace for Impact. So um, I'll record Brace for Impact at some point tomorrow morning. And then another one probably on Sunday as I'll be recapping a final resolution. But I'll talk about uh, tomorrow. I'm going to talk about all about the the news surrounding TNA Okada, um, Will Ospreay. And then, of course, they just got their new TNA Plus streaming services coming out next month, which surprise, surprise, everybody that uh, it is actually a part of the Endeavor streaming network. Endeavor, which owns WWE and UFC, is actually going to be hosting on their servers the new TNA Plus uh, streaming um, app. So I think that's kind of interesting and a little bit wild. Endeavor don't care about about those things. They they don't. They don't. Like this whole like WWE smashing competition is no more. It's like a thing of the past. They don't give a shit. So um, that's that's pretty interesting to me. But yeah, lots of stuff to talk about with TNA coming up this week. And hopefully I have a good update on the ticket sales. Uh, and all of that um, and more news and all kinds of stuff coming up. So please stay tuned and then uh, make sure you're a subscriber to this channel, the voices of wrestling YouTube network. Give us a big thumbs up and share it with your friends. 
Uh, all right, everybody. And until the next time. Oh, oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Sorry. I kept my, my mouse just froze. And until next time. Mahalo. Uh, 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 uh. Competition starting to get thick. It's the click. So I'll hit you watch your A game. Amen. No way. From the track when we unite and pick. This isn't A game. Better bring your A game. Competition starting to get thick. It's the click. So I'll hit you watch your A game. Amen. No way. Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture. And we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.